I'm going to assume we're all here and everyone has a handout. Good. Okay. So I'm super excited to do the women's talk this year. It's cool that we have this time to focus really specifically in on women and all God that has made women to be. And we got to kick the boys out and send them over there. So I'm super stoked for this time. Um, and honestly, when I found out I was going to be doing the women's workshop, I was pretty intimidated because honestly, doing a women's workshop in 2018 feels a little bit like I'm holding a loaded gun to myself. And at any time, you guys are going to pull the trigger on me and tune me out for the rest of the time. You know, because there's a lot. There's a lot of things pertaining to women. And so as I was research, I found myself kind of lost in the haze of the women things happening now. Like, I, I can't quite figure out where my seat is. Like, I, I agree with some, don't agree with some. You know what I mean? Do you ever feel that way? Yeah. So in my research of modern feminism, um, early on I was looking it up and I landed on this video. So... Uh, let's take a look at this video really quick. So we could talk a lot about that video. But the main point is, obviously, I wasn't the only one confused. It was the top looked up word of the year. Like, we can't land on what feminism means as a group. But the good news is, the Bible is the true source of wisdom. And it's the absolute truth. So we can look there for the answer to wisdom. But I really want to highlight um, Philippians 127. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Let's embody this as women and strive together as one with the goal of faith in the gospel. That's the goal. My question is, how are Christian women supposed to strive together as one if we can't define what even we're about? But as I said, the Bible is the absolute truth, and so we can go there uh, to find answers. Um, before I really start, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for um, giving me this time to speak to these women. I pray that you'll really use it to help us understand all that you've created women to be and how to best live that out in our lives. Um, please help me speak your truth and help us learn how to walk with you more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. So my hope for this time is to bring a model of biblical feminism to life so we can fully understand at least we have one role model to follow and that's why I want to highlight the Proverbs 31 woman. I'm just going to read through all of Proverbs 31. It's technically verse 10 to the end. There's nine verses above it. So verse 10 to the end. Ready to follow along? Okay, here we go. Stay with me. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night and provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. 
She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many, a woman, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done. Let her works bring her praise in the city gate. So there's a lot in there. Don't worry, we're going to break it down a little bit. But um, I just want to touch on a couple just little facts about Proverbs 31. Um, it's meant to personify wisdom. And Randy talked about that a little bit earlier. But do we all remember what personify means? It means to bring to life a characteristic that doesn't that isn't alive. So like representing it in a human or animal or something like that. So the Proverbs 31 woman is wisdom brought to life so we can better understand it. So essentially, she's encapsulating all that the past 30 chapters of Proverbs right at the end into one woman. So she's, I was kind of rooting for her to be like a real person that we could like trace back. From my understanding, she's not. She's the ideal woman, not necessarily a list of to-dos or a chore list. Uh, she's just a picture of the ideal woman, a celebration, really, of what wisdom is. Um, she's also displaying what wisdom looks like in everyday life. So as she's not, she, like, we don't even get the impression like she works in ministry or she has some crazy job. Like, she's a wife and a mom and has kind of some side hustle she does here and there. But um, <laughs> it doesn't look like to necessarily... She has, like, a huge career, necessarily. She's just meant to look like wisdom in everyday life. And she displays a wide range of skills, uh, manual skills, commercial skills, administrative skills, and interpersonal or people skills. She has a wide set of skills. And I, and I really want to note, um, although the Proverbs 31 woman is a wife and mother, you don't have to be a wife or mother to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Does that make sense? So, but you can start living as a Proverbs 31 woman now before you have a husband or children. Like for, this is just for free, but for an example, like if your roommates don't think you're a joy to live with, it's likely that your husband wouldn't think you're a joy to live with. Does that make sense? Or um, if you're having a hard time following uh, like the person that disciples you, like that direct leadership, it would be hard to follow your husband someday. So you can start living out some Proverbs 31 principles now in regards to being a wife and mother, but it doesn't mean you have to be a wife or mother to be a Proverbs 31 woman. But I really want to focus in more on the Proverbs 31 woman in hopes I can bring her to life so we can really use her as a model-based biblical feminism on. And actually, in this workshop, you're going to do a lot of partner work. So if you need to rearrange your seats, that's cool. But my, So my first question that I want you guys 
to look at is from what you know so far about the Proverbs 31 woman, imagine she's sitting in the room. How do you think she would respond to our culture's idea of feminism? Discuss it with the person next to you. Okay, hopefully you got some sort of landed somewhat. It's a hard question to answer because I think there's some things that she might agree on and some things she might not. But let's try to get a better understanding and try to keep that answer in mind as we move forward. Um, so how I first got drawn into Proverbs 31 is I was taking Calvin on a walk and um, we were walking all around our neighborhood and I was spending some time praying. That's like one of the only places I can really pray is walking Calvin in his stroller. Um, but as I was praying, I really felt like God was telling me to read Proverbs 31 when I got home. And actually, that doesn't really happen that often to me where I feel that kind of like direct like idea out of nowhere. Um, so I, I paid attention. And I went home and read Proverbs 31. And it was like I was reading it for the first time. It was amazing. It was I was noticing all these things, and I'd heard, I feel like I've even heard talks on Proverbs 31. It's like the classic women's verse. But so some of you may have heard a talk on Proverbs 31 before or have read it multiple times. But I wanted to challenge us to look at it with really fresh eyes and see it how God wants us to see it because there's a reason that it's a popular section in the Bible. But as I was digging into it, I wanted to highlight three different traits that I noticed in the Proverbs 31 woman. And the first one is she's a hard worker. Um, and I put some verses on your handout where um, I pulled some verses out. So I'm just going to read those. That's 13 through 15, 17, 19, 27, 13. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. I looked that up. It's like a sewing thing. I, I can't sew, so I can't really explain it to you. It kind of like, this isn't that actually what it is, but you can imagine a sleeping beauty with a spindle. It's kind of like that kind of thing, but not really. So I, I don't know if that helps you. <laughs> but And then 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So I think we can all agree that the Proverbs 31 woman was a hustler, like if we've ever seen one. Like she's up before dawn, her arms are strong. If you, if you see it, you can see a theme in these verses. And, and if you listen to the language, it says that she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. So she's not a lazy butt. Um, she's eager vigorous, strong. Um, does this kind of language portray a weak person? No, obviously not. Does this portray a woman that's looking for a handout? Obviously not. No, this is a woman that's working hard, vigorous, strong. Um, verse 13, the NIV translation says, she works with eager hands. Um, and eager just kind of points out to me that that's a pleasant attitude. You know, is someone with a negative attitude eager? No, I don't think so. Other translations of that same verse say she works with willing hands, pleased to work with her hands, works with her hands in delight, busily works. I, that just kind of shows me she's not dragging her feet. This is an eager, good attitude types of work. And lots of, there's lots of hard workers in the world, but I wouldn't say all work that way. Like how many times 
how we drug our feet to work or school. Like, that, but it doesn't make you less of a hard worker, like you're still going, but it's not working hard with a pleasant attitude. She has both of those going on. And I think there's more going on here because certainly all her jobs can't be that enjoyable, right? Like, I don't know what a spindle and a distaff is, but like it doesn't sound that fun maybe. Um, but she's not dragging her feet. She's working with a good attitude. I think this is the way that we should approach our work to fully honor God. How do you think your work would look different if we adopted this attitude? Discuss with your partner. That doesn't say the right word. How would we work look, how would what we do look, how would what we do, how would what we do look different if we adopted this attitude? Good job. You know, the funny thing is, it's in my notes too. And it's not like I copied and pasted it to that. Like I typed it out two times. <laughs> I typed it out two times incorrectly. So I, I don't know. That's amazing. Um, so did anyone come up with any practical examples they could share really quickly? That would be okay to share. Anyone? Anyone? Diana. Yes. Complain a lot less. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Be more enjoyable to work with. Yes. Your life would be more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, did we, um, I just this is a kind of a stupid example of what it's looked like for me as I kind of noticed like does anyone like washing the dishes no like I of course don't um so this is like a really stupid example but something that helps me is putting on music and listening to music as I wash it's like my face is softer like <laughs> like not touch softer like happier like because I usually wash it, like mm, 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 washing the dishes but if you listen to music I don't know maybe that would help you it's not like the Proverbs 31 woman had an iPod but if she did, she might do that. I'm not sure. Maybe she's saying. That's probably what she did. <laughs> okay, so um, in the message translation, it's a, I can't give you a verse number because the message translation is like a big paraphrase of the whole thing, but a section says, first thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work. She is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. Is that how we approach our work? For me, not always, Like, but... If every time I had to change a poopy diaper, that's like one of my more unpleasant tasks of the day. If every time I had to change a poopy diaper and whined about it, like what's that communicating to Calvin? Like he can't help it. He poops in his pants. Like, you know, <laughs> that's what a bummer for him. And, but it's true that, in fact, all work is work, and that's why it's not called fun. It's hard. But just because we don't particularly enjoy it doesn't mean we have to have a bad attitude. It would be an exhausting way to live. That's kind of what you said, Ellie. It would be an exhausting way to li live being bummed about every unpleasant thing we had to do in our day. I think the better perspective to have is when doing less enjoyable work is just choosing to honor God and people through the thing. A Proverbs 31 woman embraces the good work and the hard work and the work she doesn't want to do. And she puts her head down and gets to work, choosing to honor God and honor people. And But some people may think like this, like this poor woman. Like, first of all, where's her husband helping out with the kids? She's always working. I hear you, Brittany, work, work, work. And some people would say she needs a bubble bath. She needs to sit down. 
Um, that's a common cultural idea right now, the idea of self-love and self-care. And so I just like Googled it really quick, and these are some of the images that popped up when I looked at it. So let's take a look. Uh, you can't pour from an empty cup. Take care of yourself first. Okay. Self-care brings magic to your life like unicorns. Emergency care wall. I thought this was interesting. For sadness, favorite movie. For loneliness, best friend's phone number. That'd be a bummer if you were that person's best friend because they probably call you all the time. Uh, for self-doubt, list of reasons why you can. For anger, calming music. For worry, a comfort blanket. For other. <laughs> for there's like a free hug coupon and a stress ball and a bear in your favorite books. Okay. I like this one. I'm working on myself for myself by myself. Interesting. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's That was a quick first page of Google <laughs> to find all these. It's a really popular idea right now. Um, but how do you think the Proverbs 31 woman res would respond to that? I, I don't know. I, I think um, not so much. I don't think she would necessarily agree. Because the truth is God knows exactly what we're capable of. And he knows what our physical limitations are. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be successful. And the Proverbs 31 woman is simply doing what God's asked her to do. She's not doing anything less than that, and she's not doing anything more. And, and what I mean by she's not doing anything more is she's not inserting herself into roles she wasn't meant to play because that is an exhausting way to live. Um, she's just doing only what God's called her to do. Now, I don't mean we should run ourselves ragged or that taking an occasional bubble bath is bad. Like, I, I don't think that's true. But we do know that the Proverbs 31 woman wasn't run ragged because would a woman run ragged look put together? Probably not. She's a hot mess, you know? Uh, but we know that it says she was dressed in fine linen and scarlet. Um, what do women who are run ragged, do they make people feel important or loved? Not really, because they're focused on their own exhaustion. But we know that's not true of the Proverbs 31 woman, because her, her husband and children love her, and they're the people that know her the best. So they see her, at the end of the day, make a off total hot mess. But they really appreciate her and love her. The truth is, if it's God's called us to do something, don't you think he gives us the time and energy and resources to do that? I think so. So if we're causing ourselves to be run, run ragged and our only hope is a comfort blanket, maybe it's time to stop and think if we're making something else a priority that wasn't meant to be the priority, and we might have to do some rearranging in our schedule. Because a bubble bath and a face mask, don't fit. they don't fix that problem. Rearranging and doing what God's called us to do is what fixed that problem. So let's follow our example here. Up early, working late, strong, willing. So here's my question for you. What would you need to do to go to bed every night and say, today I have finished the work God gave me to do? Talk to your partner. Okay, maybe you guys need to keep thinking about that. Write some ideas down to get you started. Got some ideas, good. Okay. The second trait that I want to highlight is she's prudent. Now, that's not a word we use a lot much anymore, but um, to help you maybe understand what prudent means, um, some synonyms are sensible, economical, and careful. So maybe that gives you more of an idea what prudent might mean. Um, but 
here's the verses that go along with that, 11, 16, 18, 21, 22, 24, and 25. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sees that her training is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. That's one smart lady to get all that going. My favorite verse from that section is verse 11 about how her husband has full confidence in her. And I know that no one in here, I think, has a husband. Unless I don't know, something, maybe. But imagine, what does it mean for someone to have full confidence in you? And who is someone that you have full confidence in and why? Discuss. Did you guys come up with someone you have full confidence in? Yeah? Yeah? Maybe you're, I don't know, dad, I don't know. But um, so this per how you have this person in your mind, someone you have full confidence in, let me ask you two questions. Are they drowning in debt? Does their future concern you? I'm going to make the argument, maybe no. Maybe, some, uh, maybe someone in this room, but I would think no. A prudent person works hard to cover their responsibilities. That's the type of person you can have full confidence in. A prudent woman is financially stable. Now, this isn't a talk on money, um, and actually I really didn't want this to be a talk on money, but I just, as I was searching more into this chapter, I just can't ignore it. There's too much talk about money in the Proverbs 31 woman, so it kind of got my ears going, and I thought there has to be something more to this. So back to my friend Google, I just typed in women debt, and this is the first thing that came up. It says, a 2015 National Debt Relief Survey found that 63% of women ages 18 to 24 <laughs> carried some credit card debt, but only 36% of men over there that same age category had any debt. Ooh. Similarly, 66% of women ages 55 to 64 carried credit card debt, but only 33% of men in that same age bracket had any credit card debt. Uh-oh. So it's not an age thing. You can't blame it on I'm 19 years old and I work at In-N-Out and I have no money. It's, it, well, okay. <laughs> In-N-Out's a good, someone works at In-N-Out. Oh no, Taco Bell, I don't know. <laughs> In and out's a perfectly good job. <laughs> okay. You work someplace else and have no money, but in and out's a perfectly good job. I don't. The truth is, women spend money. Uh, Oh, it's just, I can't, I didn't make this up. I couldn't make this up. We spend double the amount of money as, uh, double the amount of women spend money, 36, I don't know, you know, 33 to 63%, is that math right? I don't know. Um, but how come these are what we think of when we think of women? Like, why is that, why is that a thing, you know? Why do people think that? And then the next slide I found while I was scrolling through Pinterest one day. I need three coffees, six puppies, and like $12 million dollars. I mean, it'd be nice, but uh, this is obviously marketed towards women. Like, we, there's something going on here. Um, I heard someone was telling me that a guy, like a college student guy, asked this older, wiser guy, 
what should I look for in a wife? Good question. And uh, the wiser guys, one of his first response is that she had no debt. And the reason why he said that is because it's a mark of uncontentment. Because we're not content with what we have. And so we're taking out the credit card to buy other things. That's not how the Proverbs 31 woman operated. In contrast, in verse 16, it says from her own money she inspects and buys a field, a.k.a. she has money to buy a field. She has her own money. In, 2000, in, in verse 18, it says she sees that her dealings are profitable. That means she sits down, does some math, has a budget, and keeps it. And this is something I've really been working on a lot lately in our family. Cody's the one that um, like kind of manages our money and budgets it. And I've historically been less than helpful, is the best way I can put this. But um, I, after studying this, I was like, I need to, like, I've dubbed this year get our finances together year. And so I was like, Cody, tell me what's going on here. And so he laid out the whole budget for me and showed me where all our money was going, because I was kind of having a hard time understanding, like, where's all the money going? Like, we get money, and then it's gone. Like, I didn't spend it. I don't know where it's going. So he helped me kind of understand more where the money was going. And in that process, I saw how I wasn't being very responsible. Like, some months, our grocery bill would be double what it was the month before. Like, that's, I buy the groceries. That's my fault, you know? So it kind of helped me see where I had screwed up in that area. And so it's helped me. And since I've really kind of taken more ownership in that area, it's helped Cody a lot. And our finances are a lot more, like, stable. It's like he's not wondering, I wonder how much Brittany's going to spend on groceries this month, you know? Like, are we getting organic or not, you know? So um, that's really helped him. And since um, we've gotten more of a handle on that era in our life, I can better understand verse 25 that says she laughs at fear of the future. Because when your finances are out of order, it's really hard to laugh at the fear of the future. So I can understand how this happens, though. Six, in 2016, 66% of Chico State graduates had loans. Okay, So I get how you get there. Uh, it's expensive to go to school. So some of you may be there. But let's make sure we take the Proverbs 31 woman stance on paying those off. Maybe you need a side hustle because the Proverbs 31 woman had a side hustle. So maybe, you know, because we know she, she bought and sold this field, and then she also sold clothes that the city gate. You know, so she had multiple different things going on. So maybe we need that approach. Maybe we need to be a little more creative on making money, keeping track of it, budgeting it, and spending it wisely. So hopefully now you're starting to see a little bit of a clear picture of what the Proverbs 31 woman was like. She's hardworking. She's prudent. But I think the last point brings it all together, and it's that she's noble. Um, noble is another word we don't really use too much today. Um, the, the definition is possessing, characterized by, or arising from, superiority of mind or character or of ideals or morals. Can you see that in your life? Let's read the verses that I pulled out here. It says, A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. 20. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. 23. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. 
26. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. 28 through 31. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise in the city gate. Wouldn't you agree that the Proverbs 31 is noble? Yeah, I think so. Um, here's some reasons why I think that. Um, she has a well-respected husband. This is kind of a side point for free. Um, but the So there's only one little blip about the Proverbs 31 man. He makes an appearance, but what we know about him is he's respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. So that's kind of something that we're looking for, like a respected man. Wouldn't you agree that's like a good quality in a future mate respected? Um, but the catch is the Proverbs 31 man is attracted to a Proverbs 31 woman. Like you can't bag a Proverbs 31 man and not be a Proverbs 31 woman. They go together, and so that's the catch if you want to get a Proverbs 31 man. That's for free. But... <laughs> um. My, I also think she's noble because she helps the poor. I think that is also, like, some commentators think that's her, like, personal ministry target, in a sense. Like, that's how she's um, reaching people, telling people about God. It's her evangelism target is the poor. Um, she's appreciated by her husband and children, the people who know her the best like her. A lot of people have a hard time with their moms, but this wasn't true for her husband and children, and she's kind, wise, and fears the Lord. I think it'd be easy to focus on the first two points of being hardworking and prudent and totally lose this lost virtue um, because it's often difficult to kind of get these all at the same time. Like for me, how this looks in my life <laughs> is sometimes I'm like super hyper-focused on the goal, woman on a mission, I'm going to clean the whole house and take over the world in one day. But I run over Cody in the process. Like, where's Cody? I don't know. Does he need me? Who cares? Like, run him over. So that's one extreme I fall on. But then sometimes I fall on the other extreme. Like, today is family day, and we're just going to hang out. And then, like, all my responsibilities fly out the window. And so I don't. neither of those are pictures of a Proverbs 31 woman. She sits in the middle, um, and she honors people and takes time for people in the midst of her busy life. She gets stuff done. I love the last couple of verses of the chapter. Um, this is another translation. It says, Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. So she's obviously a cut above the rest. That's what noble means. Um, because think about it. Do you know a hardworking person that runs over people? Probably. Or do you know a, a prudent person that's, like, too cheap to go to lunch with you? <laughs> like, they're prudent, but the, they don't value people. Um, the Proverbs 31 woman wraps this all together. Um, her husband and children love her. They're calling for her to be reported and celebrated publicly, like, woman power, yes, she's amazing, yeah. Um, and a wife and mom that's obsessed with getting stuff done, like, that's not the case. Like, you don't see the kids in the background rooting for that. She obviously values her family. So in my opinion, this is one of the most wonderful 
ways that God created women. He created them to work hard and to be smart, and he also created them as helpers to others. That's literally why women were created. You can look at Genesis 2.18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him, and bam, Eve was created. That's like the reason Eve was created. But a woman's role is a noble one. It's really beautiful how the Proverbs 31 woman steps into this role with grace and dignity and owns it. She's a person that's a joy to be around. Wouldn't you want to be her friend? I would. Let's be women like this. I think um, this practically looks like Deborah Bullock. She explains it like um, blending versus balancing. Like a lot of people have the idea of life like you have to balance like work and school. Like, ooh, work and school on this side, family life on this side. I have to balance it out. But Deborah explains it like life's kind of like a blender and you have to throw it all in and blend it all together and like make it work kind of. This is a really bad sum up of that. But that's essentially what the Proverbs 31 woman does. She works and values people all together as one. I think being a biblical woman is essential. It's impossible to place a price tag on how valuable women can be. Like the far, worth far more than Ruby's part? Impossible. Being a biblical woman of God is so valuable and strategic for the kingdom that it can't be overstated. Um, in Proverbs 18.22, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So it's like good to find a wife. Um, and so to illustrate that, I wanted to highlight two women to you. Um, the first one is Billy Graham's wife, Ruth. So Billy Graham, he was like mega evangelist. I don't even know how many people came to Christ because of um, his crusades that he did all through the world. And this is um, Ruth and Billy. I don't know how old she is in these pictures, but can't be that much older than us, right? There she is with her five children, Billy at the end. And I just love that picture of her and him. It kind of looks like that might be one of your profile pictures, you know? Like if Ruth had a Facebook, I think that'd be her profile picture. Anyways, <laughs> um, and Billy actually just died a couple weeks ago. Fun fact is Billy Graham spoke right here, like right here in this room, like where I'm standing. So I'm like having a little bit of a moment. Like there's a picture in Paul's room of Billy Graham here in this building. So that's awesome, and I'm talking about his wife, and I like to think that Ruth was also here, but as I, as I studied Ruth, I don't think she was, because here's the catch. She stayed home with her five kids, so Billy could essentially travel the world. He'd be gone for two months at a time on different crusades, and um, it's, I have one kid, and it's insanely hard, and she had five, so I don't know, and it's, what's also amazing about that is all five kids are in ministry today, so it just kind of goes to show you, like, she was really doing something right. Don't you think some kid at some point was like, man, I miss dad. And she w didn't entertain that. She was telling them, like, the what for and what he was doing. Here's some quotes from Billy about Ruth. It says, when it comes to spiritual things, my wife has had the greatest influence on my ministry. Ruth Graham. He also said, without Ruth's partnership and encouragement over the years, my own work would have been impossible. We were called to God but we are called by God as a team. Isn't that cool? Ruth was quoted saying, your attitude to God, your husband, and your family must create an atmosphere of love, appreciation, and encouragement, which every family needs. Ruth. And when she died in 2007, Billy said she was a spiritual giant whose unparalleled knowledge of the Bible and commitment to prayer were a challenge and inspiration to everyone who knew her. Pretty cool lady. So that's Ruth. Another woman I want to highlight is Henrietta Mears. Whoa, she looks awesome. 
So I'm just going to quote Wikipedia, okay? So pay attention. <laughs> Henrietta, they, they summed it up better than me. Henrietta Mears was one of the most influential Christian leaders of the 20th century. She founded Gospel Light, a publishing company for her many training materials, many, many training materials, Forest Home, a Christian conference center nestled in the wooded setting of California's Central Range, and Gospel, Gospel Literature International. She profoundly impacted the ministries of Bill and Vonette Bright, the founders of Campus, Campus Crusade for Christ. Jim Rayburn, the founder of Young Life. Billy Graham, like Billy Graham. And Louis Evans Jr., who, if you don't know what that is, he um, was the pastor of a church called Bel, El Bel Air Church, where, like, Ronald Reagan went and, like, other stars. And he actually r raised up, he trained the pastor to Ronald Reagan, like, kind of a big deal. Um, and she also led the congregation of the National Presbyterian Church, Washington, D.C. And with her emphasis on scripture and clear gospel message for young people. This is an interesting part. Mears is believed by many theologians to have most directly shaped Bill Bright's four spiritual laws. So some of you know what four spiritual laws are for. It's like a little booklet that you can use to share the gospel with people. And I don't know how many people have committed their life to Christ because they went through four spiritual laws. Like a lot of people. And she was like the brains behind that. Like that's amazing. It, it says... Bill Bright's Four Spiritual Laws, which defined modern evangelism in the 20th century. Amazing. So, interesting fact about Henrietta, though. She was never married, and she never had any children. So, her day-to-day -day life looked much different than Ruth Graham's. Wouldn't you agree? She had kind of a more traditional job, like she went to an office and worked. And actually, fun fact, Billy and Ruth lived with her for an amount of time, like when they were in L.A. and got, like, training with her. So, that's pretty cool. But... They had totally different day-to-day -day lives, but who's to say that one of their lives was more important for the kingdom than the other? I, you can't. Like, Ruth was home with five kids and helping Billy accomplish, like, tons of people are in heaven because of what Billy Graham did. And Henrietta Mears was probably, I don't know this for sure, probably working in an office, working on her training materials, and tons of people are in heaven because of what she did. So they both had very, very different daily lives, but both are Proverbs 31 women. What would it like look like for you to be noble in all that you do? Discuss it with your partner. Okay, hopefully you have some ideas to work on. I know I'm not giving you, like, you probably could work on those for, like, the rest of the day. So it's just to get your brain going in that direction. Um, so... Why? Why is the Proverbs 31 woman like this? Um, I think it's because she has a full understanding of all that God has called women to be. Um, do we understand that? Because I think if we do, we're, we're living on a different level. It's easy to get it twisted, um, especially with everything swirling around in the culture. For example, literally I was working on this point in Coffee Ranch, sitting in Coffee Ranch, minding my own business, and two ladies walk in, <laughs> and the girls are making peanut butter cookies, because they have delicious peanut butter cookies there, and one of the women say to the girls behind the register, wow, you're going to make a great wife to a husband someday, and the girls were like, hee hee, and then she was like, oh, I guess that's not a compliment anymore, and I was like, I like turned around like, what is happening, you know, but like, doesn't it kind of a little bit make you uneasy, like, 
we don't even know how to compliment each other. You know? Like, so did Claude call us to make cookies for our husbands? Yeah. He called us to love and serve our husbands. I bet Ruth Graham did that all the time. You know? I bet she did. Uh, Henrietta, I don't know. Maybe she made cookies for other people. But did God call us to only make cookies for our husbands? I, of course not. No. No. There's more to that. So but let's not get sucked into the confusion. Let's just embrace what God's called women to be. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. It takes humility to fulfill what God's called you to be. No job is too tedious or too small if it's what God's called you to do in the moment, whether it's make cookies or not. But if we do it with a joyful, indulgent attitude. How do you think the Proverbs 31 woman would navigate in today's world? That's a question that's really, hmm, haunted's the wrong word. <laughs> like, helped me, I guess. It's been running through my mind a lot. Um, compared to the idea of, like, what would Jesus do? Which I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a good question to ask ourselves. But honestly, I, like, can't answer it most of the time. Like, I wouldn't guess what Jesus was going to do in a lot of Bible stories. Like, when he went in and flipped the tables over, I, I wouldn't have guessed that, you know? So, but I think I can guess a little better what the Proverbs 31 woman would do in most everyday life. And that question has helped me a lot over the past school year asking myself, what would the Proverbs 31 woman do in this situation? Whether it's about friendships, about getting out of my bed in the morning, about things I'm confused about, whether it's how I'm going to spend our Thanksgiving break, if I have conflict, tons of reasons I've used that. So hopefully, the Proverbs 31 woman is starting to come to life for you, and you can start answering that question about yourself. Because living the life God's called us to live is the best way we can live our life. And God's created us to be women. So let's figure that out. <laughs> um, so thankfully, he's given us his word and given us some helpful clues on how to live as Proverbs 31 women. And I hope that um, she can be a good role model for you as you figure out what your next steps are. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this time with these women, and I pray that um, you'll help bring the Proverbs 31 woman to life for them, and that um, they can start filtering all that they do through this. I pray that they'll be hardworking and prudent and noble women through their lives. Thank you um, for this time together, and um, thank you for the ways that you're working in their lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen.